Luke 2.10 Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare in room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more the same. Thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Uh, let us pray this morning. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we say thank you. Uh, thank you, Father, for this time of year. Thank you for all that Christmas means. Uh, thank you for the layers of meaning and the depths of meaning of Christmas. And I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to us this morning uh, through your word, and that you would open our hearts to hear your voice in this, uh, in this trying season. But we thank you that you are God with us, and you are our joy. And we look to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We'll be in chapter 35 this morning. Chapter 35. Um, I'll read the passage at length, and uh, then we will look at it more closely. But before I do that, um, I just want to ask a few questions or, or think about a few things before we get into the passage. Um, first, the, the hymn, the Advent hymn that we just sang, Joy to the World, um, it's been said that this song is actually more of a song about the second coming of Christ than it is about the first. So some might argue that this isn't truly a Christmas song, but it is a Christmas song. It sings of the advent of 
Christ coming to the world and the joy that comes in the gift uh, of God in the flesh. And I love how the first coming of Christ reminds me and helps me to prepare and anticipate the second coming of Christ as well. And so we are anticipating the fulfillment of all of God's promises, the promises that he made for us in Scripture, the promises fulfilled in the first coming of Christ, and that he will fulfill in the second coming as well. And so these promises of God, um, is it, they're promises that, that encourage us and strengthen our hope because God keeps his every word. And such hope fuels our joy. And we're going to look at that this morning, how hope fuels our joy. And the presence of God among us, the presence of God among us restores us and transforms nature and people in this dark and sinful world. And that is the message of Christmas, that God has come and that his presence uh, brings joy. It fuels our joy and such joy to the world is one key facet of the meaning and the message of Christmas. And so let's look at our passage together, Isaiah, Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. Verse 9, no lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we'll look at this, this passage that the prophet speaks of the coming salvation of God. And when God comes, the promises here in God's word are that the earth will be restored. Secondly, 
the people of God will be restored. Thirdly, we'll see that there are signs of God's coming. And fourth, the abundance of his coming. When he comes, there will be abundance. And finally, the way of his coming is a way of holiness, a highway of holiness. And this will result in everlasting song. So first we'll see the earth restored, the earth restored at the coming of God. We see in verses 1 and 2 that the wilderness, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. There's a transformation from death to life. And we are quite familiar with this picture, this scenery. We don't have to use our imaginations. We can look out our windows. We can drive through the desert um, on the highways that are here. But we see here, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. All of this imagery here is from death to life, from wilderness to uh, uh, gladness, to from desertness to joy and blossom and flowering. Um, verse 2, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The, if you notice, the first two verses of this chapter and the last verse, verse 10, are filled with joy. Joy to the earth. Joy to the people of God. And it says that there's glory. Glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. But we live in this world, and this world is broken. And scripture tells us this world, the earth itself, the land uh, that we live on from generation to generation is cursed. It is uh, groaning, uh, to use the language of Romans chapter 8. Um, the Apostle Paul writes, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal uh, who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And so um, we see here that God has uh, the, the earth, the earth longs and groans along with the people of God, even though uh, we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory um, there's a hope that anchors joy even in this present moment. We see the earth longs for that day when it will 
to be transformed. Even now, as believers in part are transformed. Next, we see that the not only will the earth be restored fully one day, um, and the earth is longing for that day, but the people of God will be restored as well, fully one day. We see this in verse 3 and 4. It says, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And so the prophet speaks and he says, Strengthen the weak, make firm the feeble. Say to the anxious, Be strong, fear not. Behold your God. He will come with vengeance and recompense. He will come and save you. These words are used and quoted in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. And it says, Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. When God comes, he is a God who heals. He brings life. He'll give life to the earth. And he heals and strengthens his people. But in the context of Hebrews, we see that this is um, a people that are to take courage, even though they are enduring painful discipline of God's fatherly love in the moment. Uh, the message of scripture is that God does not abandon his children, uh, but he rather disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12 tells us. And in such moments, it, it, it's possible to think. Uh, I know early in the Christian life, if something goes bad, uh, something is painful, you, you, you might have a tendency to think, well, maybe God is mad at me um, or maybe he has left me. But that is not the case. Um, God uh, uh, loves his children and he treats them as children. And he is a faithful father. And he doesn't desert his children, but he, um, but he disciplines them. And so we're not to grow discouraged when God is correcting us, but rather to understand that God is leading us in maturity. He wants to grow us up in righteousness that we might uh, be more and more fruitful. So be strong. The message of the passage here is strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, and say to the anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God. Look to your God and move on towards joy, future joy with God. In verses 5 and 6, we see that, that uh, something radical here um, God is a life giver. He gives, uh, restores the earth. He gives life to the earth. He gives life to his people. He heals his people. And we see a unique healing here. And so we see signs of his coming in verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Blind eyes opened, deaf ears unstopped. The lame leap like a deer 
in the tongue of the mute sings for joy. When did this happen? When did this happen in history? Is this for a time future? Surely God will heal all people in the day future. But this has happened already. Uh, and we celebrate that the first advent uh, uh, of Christ's coming. And when he came, um, these were signs that he truly was God's Messiah. And so we recall uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, there was a time when John was in prison and he grew discouraged. Um, John was faithful to the gospel and, it, and he called out the evils of his day and it uh, resulted in him being imprisoned. And John the Baptist asked the question and he said to his um, disciples, now when John heard in, in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. This is Matthew chapter 11, 2 to 6. When he heard about the deeds of Christ, the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said to, the, to, to him, Are you one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus uh, reminds John in his discouraged state of the word of God. And he reminds him and points him to a passage like Isaiah 35 or chapter 61. So when God's salvation comes, and it came the first time, it comes with life-giving power. God's salvation came with life-giving power and miraculous power in the time, in the days, in the ministry of Jesus Christ here on earth. And God's salvation comes personally. The one whose eyes were blinded, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. The, those who could not hear with their ears, Jesus touched and unstopped their ears. The lame, uh, at, at the word of John, if you recall, um, and Peter, um, Acts chapter 3, uh, the, the man leapt like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. So God himself personally came in Christ and engaged with people, with broken people, with hurting people, uh, with sick people, and he came with miraculous power. He came to a sinful humanity. So God comes and he restores the earth when God's salvation comes. The promises here are a restored earth, a restored people, and signs of his coming accompany his coming. Uh, fourth, we see an abundance in his coming, an abundance in his coming. Uh, just this past week, uh, let me read the passage first, and I'll share the story. Um, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Uh, verse 6 at the end here. Uh, For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of the jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. So this past week, uh, I shared a story with 
a true story with, with my students. They're in second grade, uh, seven-year-olds, six and seven-year-olds, children. Uh, and we're looking at different uh, animals in this, um, creatures in this unit. And we happen to be studying wolves this particular week, this week. And I showed them a video about how wolves change rivers. And it's quite a fascinating and phenomenal story. In 1995, there was just one wolf left in one of the biggest parks in North America, Yellowstone National Park, or at least in the United States, that is. Um, and they brought a bunch of uh, wolves down from Canada. And when these wolves came, they changed the um, uh, food chain, if you will. Uh, sorry, I can't think science at the moment. Uh, but the wolves came and there was an overpopulation abundance of deer and the deer were eating everything all of the vegetation but um, when the wolves came they were able to uh, even out the deer population and actually scare the deer away from certain places in the valleys in particular where they would be more vulnerable and so what happened is the vegetation started to grow and when these plants started to grow birds started to return and when the birds came the the trees started to grow uh, and then bears came because there were berries and they helped get rid of the deer population. And all in all, what ended up happening is the rivers uh, erosion uh, stopped happening at such a quick pace and there was more vegetation and the, the earth was replenished and restored beca because these wolves came not just to kill, but to also they ended up uh, giving life. And we see that here, that the waters uh, break forth into the wilderness wilderness with no water the deserts are filled with streams it's a phenomenal uh, sight I'm sure to see with your eyes um, but just imagine the burning sands here become a pool um, and the thirsty ground springs of water the word here thirsty ground is the could be translated uh, as a mirage like an illusion with the heat of the sun coming down on the surface of the earth and it looks like and gives the appearance of living water but it's actually an illusion but when God comes he gives life and when God comes he gives uh, and, and makes what would be an illusion a reality he brings the substance and so uh, Christ in his coming at Christmas, he has come to be uh, not just God with us, but he has come on mission to reverse the curse. And so Christ has come to reverse the curse. He is making all things new today and throughout the uh, history and drama of the earth as we know it. And he will restore the earth. Isaiah 65, uh, 17 to 19 tells us. Sorry, just one moment. 65, uh, verse 17. Um, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. 
No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. So God is making promises in his word that one day a time is coming when he will make all things new. And finally, in the way that he comes, it's a highway, a highway of holiness. So uh, we've, we've seen that, that God comes, when he comes his, in, to bring his salvation, the earth will be restored, the people restored, and uh, there are signs of his coming. And when he comes, he comes with abundance to reverse the curse. And the way that he comes is a highway. Verse uh, 8. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. A highway of holiness. This highway of holiness is Christ himself. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. The unclean shall not be upon this way. This way belongs only to those who walk uh, in Christ, those who are in union with Christ. And this way is a safe way. Uh, it belongs to those who walk in Christ. And it says here that uh, even those, even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. It seems a, a bit strange here, but what is this saying? Um, it's saying that, there, that this way is a safe way in that uh, once a person is uh, on this highway, they are on the highway to stay. God keeps his people. God keeps his people to the end. And we see here that there's a promise of security and safety. Um, it says in verse 9, No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it, up on this highway. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. So God promises that, no, even though Satan roars like a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, he will not devour uh, God's child. No lion, no beast shall be there. The redeemed shall walk there. And think about it. Uh, we have highways. They're very common to us. They're as common as anything in our minds, I, su I suppose, in this modern world. But back then, they didn't have vehicles and machinery like we do. Uh, even to construct a highway, I can't imagine how, how, how they would do that. In, in the Roman Empire, um, 700 years after this was written, uh, it was said that all roads lead to Rome. Rome spread roads around the world. Um, but, but here, 700 years before Christ, in this prophecy that, that a highway shall come. It was very much that, a way that was higher. And it reminds us of chapter 40 in verse 3. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And John the Baptist would quote these words in his coming, before the coming, uh, uh, before the beginning of the ministry, of Jesus Christ. And he'd say, 
uh, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so how convenient, how difficult to travel without a highway. And so uh, engineering has done much to tunnel mountains and bridge abysses, but the greatest triumph of engineering is that which made a way from sin to holiness, says Charles Spurgeon. From death to life, from condemnation to perfection, who could make a road over the mountains of our iniquities? None other, none other than Almighty God. None but the Lord of love would have wished it. None but the God of wisdom could have devised it. None but the God of power could have carried it out. God has made a highway for us. He has come from heaven to earth, and that is the message of Christmas. He has come to a sinful humanity, and he has gone through the difficult, muddy, muck and mire of our sin, and our grief, and our shame, and our fear. He has traversed the difficult way and made a highway called holiness. God has made a highway, the highway of holiness in Christ and through Christ to God our Father. And the result of this highway is an everlasting song of joy. And this is uh, chapter 35, verse 10, the last verse. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And so the coming of Christ is a time of joy. Christmas is a time of joy because God has come. He has come uh, to save us. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so just a few questions for us to think about, am I on this highway? Am I making progress in the journey? What is the source of my life? What am I looking to for life in this season? Am I enjoying the travel? And am I inviting others to join me? This has been a difficult year uh, for many. This world has been filled with sorrow and grief. And uh, many people are disappointed even, and maybe especially this Christmas. There are government um, uh, regulations or uh, announcements being told. Um, You know the news better than I do probably. um, To stay away from loved ones. Are these promises, the promises of God, are they fueling us uh, in such a season? Are they fueling our faith this Christmas? Am I finding real, or are we finding real and lasting hope in Jesus Christ, even or perhaps especially in such a difficult, humbling year? So this Christmas, I want to encourage you to look to Christ, because he is the highway of God, and he is the one in whom we find everlasting and real joy. Let's pray. 
Father, we look to you. We thank you for your word that uh, is truth. And we pray that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you, that you would mature us in the faith. I pray that you would fuel our faith, that you would strengthen our hope, and that our hope would fuel our joy, that we would find much joy in you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the message that God has come. It is good news of great joy for all the peoples. And Lord, we look to you in this announcement, this proclamation that Christ has come to save us. Thank you that you have come. Thank you that you uh, came, that you died on the cross for our sins, and that you were buried and you were raised on the third day for our justification. We pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you wouldn't leave us. You said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send another to be with you, the one that comes alongside of you, the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. And so, Father, encourage us by your Holy Spirit, we pray, and strengthen our joy uh, this Christmas. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to leave you with these words from Luke chapter 2. Uh, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This Christmas, um, in a devotional, my wife and I have been going through, uh, um, the author, David Mathis, pointed out that joy is spoken of quite a few times, um, 200 times, in fact, in the English translation of the Bible, but great joy is reserved for single digits, uh, for special moments, for the highest moments. And he says that our joyful Savior is now with us to the end of the age, strengthening us in every fear, cheering us in every grief, and holding us in all our suffering. Until the day when he unseats every sorrow, he promises no one will take your joy from you. So go in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, Merry Christmas to you.